You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And this is our regular time with State Senator Joe Comerford. And we're so lucky to have her today because there is so much news to talk with the senator about. Senator Comerford, thank you for being with us. Today is a great day for democracy. I'm not sure we're going to have that many of them this year, maybe. But here we are. We are celebrating on this day and some yesterday, swearing in of elected officials here in Western Massachusetts, indeed across the Commonwealth. And I'm wondering if you would share your reflections with us on this day. So first, uh, Happy New Year uh, to you and Buzz and everyone at uh, HMP and, of course, constituents up and down the valley. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there is nothing more profound and hard um, as local municipal service. And today I'm cheering on folks in Northampton, in Greenfield and in Amherst who are getting sworn in across an array of positions from mayor to city council to select board to uh, you know, school committee and beyond. And I just thank them from my heart uh, for their service and pledge once again to do everything I can to support their stellar work. We are very lucky in this region, as you know, Bill, to have smart, effective, committed, dedicated, tireless people run for these local offices. Um, and I, they have every ounce of my respect and gratitude. Talk a bit, if you would, please, Senator Comerford, about how hard it is to be uh, a person serving in those local elected positions how difficult it is to be on 24-7, how you can't really go to the grocery store and not have a conversation. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a nonstop job, and people feel as if they have a right to ask, and I think they do, but really a very difficult job, uh, both uh, politically and personally. And I'm wondering how you see that. It's a great question. Um, I I think... Uh, I think all politics is local. I think you think this as well, Bill, meaning that everything comes home to our backyards, to street corners, to laundromats, to grocery stores, as you said, as the policies of the federal government and the state government and the local government careen down onto the shoulders of these municipal officials. And they are the ones being stopped between the peas and the carrots. Um, I, I get a number of these frozen, I call them the frozen aisle conversations, um, where I'm you know, trying to grocery shop for my family. But I, I don't think I have any measure of the same volume as a local official because people see them in much greater relief because the policies at the local level are so evident, uh, you know, whether it's funding for our schools or care for our roads or uh, senior housing, all of this is you know, in plain sight, whereas some of the things that I do aren't seen by everyone in the same way, although part of my job, I think, is to make them as plain as day so that people can hold me accountable. But local officials, you know, they have to deal with the complexities of two levels of government, uh, you know, they're on the continuum with, and then translate all of that into policies and budget decisions that work for local communities and the people we all serve. Um, there is really nothing more complex and I do think the emotional um, weight of this is is really great. Um, I really, really do. My wife Anne is going back for a term 
on the school committee. She's served six years. She's going back in, and she loves this so much. But I do know that Anne will, you know, have interactions with constituents translating complex policies that are affecting Northampton schools, you know, at an even more intensely personal way, because these will be about individual families and what they're facing, you know, her constituents in Ward 5. Um, so I, it's just, it's, it's a difficult position made for a huge heart and, a, you know, a strong constitution, I think, local officials. And again, um, it is something that I, I value and treasure and I'm grateful for in Northampton to be represented by such good people. Well, Senator Joe Comerford, you, you constantly amaze me with your insights. I have been moderator in my town for about 23 years. And um, just to amplify what you just uh, pointed out, so much of our conversation at the select board level, at the finance committee level, at the assessor's level, it's trying, not talking about what should we do, it's talking about how do you interpret this section of this statute in terms of what we have to do. We don't understand where this language leads us, says a zoning board or a planning board. It, it, it really is frustrating for people that we just, uh, we know we have to follow state law, but we don't always know what it is. <coughs> You're completely right. And hi, Buzz. Hi. Happy New Year. I didn't hear your voice earlier. Um, yeah, you're completely right. I mean, think about solar siting as one example, right? Our communities, the local officials in, in, in communities like you, leading local communities, you know, you care for the open land, you care for historic preservation, you care for um, people's, you know, people's needs, you know, in terms of their own tax burden, all of these things. And we have to figure out, you know, how it is that we pass bylaws that work with MGLs, Mass General Laws, and then any kind of federal intersection in this level, but it's mostly state with solar. Um, and it's brutal. It's brutal. I represent communities like Amherst, Shutesbury, Wendell, um, and more, and I see what they're going through. I do think the Healy Driscoll administration is more committed than I've ever seen to governing 351 cities and towns. And so I, I do hope that we continue to see the advances that um, local officials need in terms of transparency and, uh, and you know, rules, regulations, statutes that work for every community. But I, I do think we have a long way to go, as you're saying. Senator Comerford, I'd like to go back to this question of interaction between various uh, entities of government, and in particular, the relationship between the federal government and our state government on the issue of immigration and what is happening at the southern border and what actions you think that the Senate of Massachusetts and the Hilly Driscoll administration should take with regard to the numbers of uh, immigrants who are coming to Massachusetts? You know, this is one of those interactions, Bill, that is very complex. The state does not regulate immigration, but boy, do we... Um, Boy, do we have to uh, operate within a context of a federal government that uh, is trying to pass and has passed immigration-related um, rules and statute. Um, you know, I think where the Senate comes in is is supporting the Healy Driscoll administration in um, its efforts to provide humane shelter and opportunity for the asylum seekers who are here with us. Uh, and, of course, humane housing for families and individuals who are uh, without housing. Um, 
you know, as a matter of, you know, chronic uh, housing price increases or rental increases and, you know, all the social determinants of houselessness, right, which is, you know, uh, the need for better paying jobs and education and child care and you name it, right, we know what they are. Um, so I do think we are part of the bill paying exercise. And I, I believe the Senate president and the chair of Ways and Means take that very seriously. We also, as a legislature, did ask the governor to report on the expenditures because they are significant in this time, right? Um, they are significant. And I supported that, uh, asking the governor to report on them and, and develop a plan for these families uh, who are newcomers to our communities. And they're here with us, you know, in the region uh, and thriving in so many ways. I also support the Healy Driscoll administration's push of the federal government to figure out the work authorizations for these good folks. Um, I've met with numbers of new arrivals in these last months and weeks, and to a person, they want to work, and they want to provide for their children, and they want to thrive here in Massachusetts. Uh, the federal government makes that super-duper hard, and that has to stop, I believe. Um, so I, I really support the governor's intolerance. Uh, we also support in the Senate the resettlement agency money that has come, also the money for Mass Hire, which is a workforce training and development um, hub. We have a Hampshire Franklin Mass Hire, for example, in our region doing really excellent work. Uh, it's already having an impact, filling open jobs that need people uh, who want to work and these folks want to work. Um, so we have lots to do in terms of the money and some of the oversight. And then we have a lot to do. I have a lot to do personally to support Governor Healy and Lieutenant Governor Driscoll as they say to the federal government, you know, enough. We, we need the support of the federal government and we need the ability to allow folks to work sooner, much sooner um, than they're able. And I also support any plans that the governor um, is uh, workshopping around the greatest extent to which Massachusetts can offer job opportunities um, to these newcomers. Senator, Senator Comfort, jo job opportunities clearly are a crucial issue. The crucial. Uh, another crucial issue is housing. And I want to know if you think that Massachusetts will remain a right-to-shelter state and, in addition, what action you expect the legislature to take this session with regard to expanding the housing stock here in the Commonwealth? Uh, so I, I have no um, plans to challenge the right to shelter state um, that we are currently in. Um, I, uh, some of my colleagues have talked about this. I, I am proud that we're in a right to shelter state. Um, but I do agree that much more has to be done in terms of uh, the affordable housing crisis that we're also facing. Um, so we are going to pass a housing bond bill this session, which is $4.1 billion. And I believe, I think it's 13 critical policy um, suggestions, changes uh, that, that will be, I think, exceedingly important um, to the Commonwealth's ability to develop more affordable housing. And in fact, right now I'm circulating a sign-on letter um, uh, uh, with Representative Carlos Gonzalez uh, to support the Housing Coalition and the Western Mass Network to end homelessness um, priorities in that housing bond bill that will 
really, I believe, crack open or help crack open the kind of affordable housing opportunities we need. It's got to go hand in glove. You're right, Bill. Um, it's got to. And is the $4 billion plus bond bill that is borrowing uh, by the Commonwealth to build housing, is that going to be for affordable housing, for mixed housing? What do you expect? The majority is for affordable. Um, however, there is uh, there are a couple of programs that are workforce housing programs that are also in the mix. And I'm told by folks like Keith Ferry and others um, that these are essential. Uh, they are they are more in an urban setting, so they are less present here. Um, but what is present is the low income housing um, tax credits that we've already funded um, through the tax bill, but will be you know energized or turbocharged uh, in this housing bond. And you expect the legislature to approve that this session? Well, you know, it has a long way to go. I I have to say, you guys, this is going to be a crackling, or it should be, a crackling um, handful of months between now and July 31st. We have a lot to do. We have a housing bond to pass. You know, so the housing bond has to go through two committees, uh, the Joint Committee on Housing and the Bonding Committee. Uh, Then it has to go to the Ways and Means, and it has to get all these amendments and come to the floor, get a vote, be reconciled, and get signed. Um, we also expect a, an environmental bond bill, which will be, uh, you know, I think a, a really terrific opportunity uh, for constituents in Western Massachusetts. We're throwing down on it already. We're going to have a climate bill. Um, you know, so we'll have many, many vehicles coming through. And this is just sort of like a, a message to constituents that, you know, I, I know that um, we, we feel this similar urgency as constituents to pass and tackle some of these big issues. Senator Comerford, another reason I was so pleased you could be on the show today is that this week, I believe on Thursday, a bill that you have championed is coming up for a vote. I think it is has a short title, the Blue Envelope <laughs> Bill. Tell us, tell us what it is and why it is. So, you know, Bill, this is actually one of the more beautiful stories. Maybe uh, today, by the way, is my fifth anniversary as a senator for the region. I was sworn in five years ago for the first time. And um, shortly after I was sworn in, we heard from a constituent who is a mom of someone who, who is neurodiverse talking about a Connecticut law that had passed that she thought was going to be so important for her son as he came of age. Um, and it was called the Blue Envelopes Bill. And uh, she asked us to le- look into it. And then I visited Macy, which is an inclusive uh, learning program out of the University of Massachusetts Amherst for folks uh, with autism spectrum disorder and other, um, you know, neurodiverse um, realities. And I heard about this bill um, from these constituents. And then I heard from other moms and other uh, advocates statewide. And we did the research and we filed the bill. And people in Western Massachusetts have led and kept the faith on this bill now for three years. Um, It's been in uh, percolating in two different sessions. And it was reported out favorably from the Joint Committee on Transportation. And it's going to be voted on on Thursday. And it's, it's really, for me, almost like a, you know, like a flashlight or a candle, something. I have all these images because it really represents the ability, the real concrete ability of constituents to say to someone like me, hey, lady, this, this bill is happening in Connecticut. Why the heck aren't you doing it here? For us to listen and then for us to enlist them in conversations. 
Um, also in this conversation is a gentleman by the name of uh, Chief Police Chief Tyrone Parham at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, who, through advocacy from this young man, Max, at Macy, at the Macy program, got involved and got all the police chiefs in Western Massachusetts excited about this bill. And they, in turn, got the, you know, the statewide police chiefs association, the state troopers excited. So it was this very unlikely, um, but very moving. And in an uh, elevator yeah. speech, if we could interrupt for because we just have about 30 oh, seconds left, what okay. will the bill do? As I was opining on democracy um, and its presence. But, so the bill is very simple. It says that a person um, who's been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder can say to the RMV, I need a blue envelope. And the blue envelope is where they can put their license, their registration, their insurance, any emergency contacts. And a police officer um, at a traffic stop or another emergency responder at an incident can see the blue envelope as a clue um, and it has lots of instructions written on the blue envelope, both for the person and for the first responder, to understand the different ways that someone who is neurodiverse may be responding in an emergency and give them clues um, for how to communicate effectively. It has been proven in Connecticut um, to de-escalate and cause greater sense of safety and much less harm for the- people who are on the spectrum. And I'm very proud and grateful to have the opportunity to have um, introduced this bill. And the bill comes up for a vote when? Uh, Thursday. Thursday. And, you know, there's a world more to do um, with regard to traffic stops and police. This is a small piece of the overall puzzle of making our communities safer. Uh, but I am grateful that there's a diverse coalition of people saying, yes, we need this bill. So I'm going to ask my colleagues to vote yes on Thursday. Senator Joe Cumberford, we thank you so very much for your time and your leadership. Happy New Year. Enjoy the inaugurations. Oh, thank you so much. Bye. Happy New Year to you both. Bye. I'm a lonely boy. I ain't got a home. I got a voice. I love More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP.